Well, Jason, we did it. We're here on our first podcast. Yeah, um, Jason Ritchie um, from Hanover, Illinois, Northwest Illinois, oh. right along the Mississippi River, and uh, beautiful. And this is Mike Moran. I actually live in Milford, Ohio, which is a northeastern suburb of Cincinnati. Here we are. We've City tried, boy. We've tried this a few times to get the podcast going and microphones and computers and Jason's internet. I have a feeling I'll be editing heavily this first one. <laughs> <laughs> At least somebody knows how to do it. Oh my God. Oh, well, I've never done it, so I'm sure I'll figure it out. Well, hopefully um, with some of the shortcomings here early going that... Uh, the content will make up for any uh yeah. any professional yeah <laughs> yeah podcasting well uh should we talk about my latest addition to the shop yes sir i want to hear how that's going yeah well i have a ton of grinders in this shop but i only have one vertical grinder and uh, you've had nothing but great luck with that uh, braid. I think you mm-hmm. subliminally talked me into it last year. So I ordered it January the 4th of 2022. What's today? April the 2nd. Yeah, and we're on April 2. I'm finally grinding with it. It was uh, a long time coming. The six-week week wait turned into... 10, 11 weeks, it turned into 11 weeks. And then the motor that it came with, I it, I opened up the box and it had a, a, a beautiful like gold colored Baldor motor. And I'm like, oh, jackpot. So usually you see those going, being shipped with like a General Motors or a um, Leeson. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, Baldor is the cream of the crop side note, no longer an American yeah. company. Still made in America, my understanding. All you Baldor fans, don't kill me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I got a Leeson with mine. So you got yeah. a Leeson. Uh, I have a mm-hmm. ton of Leeson motors in here. And this this Baldor motor, when I set it up, it was had this high pitched noise. And there's nothing more annoying when you're focused on grinding than that. And it shook the right. whole grinder. Shook the whole workbench. So, so you had a you had a vibration going on then yeah, of some sort for sure. Mm-hmm. So I shipped that sucker back to him, and no problems at all. I just I called the phone number on the VFD, which rang to it's Eric and uh, who's the other guy? I think it's um, is it Keith? Hmm. I don't. I should come prepared with this information. Yeah, we should. It's the guy that does a lot of their Instagram stories. Man, they're go getters, aren't they? Yeah, wish I had that energy. Younger dudes. Anyway, I got a cell phone. He was back. He was on his way back from Blade Show, and Mm -hmm. he texts me who to call. And I had a motor in in a week. Another ball door. I'm like, don't send me a ball door. I don't want. I don't (laughs) want any more of that junk. I'm like, how about a Lisa? And. I got another Baldor, so. So did did they mention anything about, um, I mean, did you ask, you know, about the difference between the Baldor and Leeson, 
you know, no, you know maybe I they're just the guy there, sourcing Baldors. And he said that these they haven't heard of any problems, but I haven't seen any Ameribrade grinders out in the wild with Baldor motors on it. I, I have a feeling right. I'm in the, the front group here. So anyway, I described what was going on. I described how I troubleshooted it and I took the wheel off of it and ran it off the grinder and so on and so forth. So yeah. So I got the second one. It's still got a vibration. It still has a noise to it. Not as severe, but it's still like, you know, the high pitch noise you get with a VFD when you have it set to zero, it's not yep. spinning anything, but you know it's on. Mm-hmm. Well, same deal with this motor, only louder than a VFD. So... I think uh, interesting. I just need to well, toughen up a little bit and get used to it. And it's still got a slight vibration. But when you got that 14-inch wheel on it, it's it's not it's not hateful. It doesn't come through the wheel, but it comes through the chassis. Like if I were to rest my arm on the VFD or on the tooling arm, I could feel it. Sure. So have you have you ground a blade with it or ground anything with it? Yes. Yet then? I sold How'd that a knife work? to How'd Jonah. You? I think you've sold knives I've seen to that. Jonah. And that Beautiful was the knife. first knife that went out on that 14-inch wheel. That 14-inch okay. wheel is butter. I mean, that's a nice wheel. The yeah. only other nice wheel I've seen like that is from Bader. The, I have to admit, um, I had a 12, which was nice. Uh, don't get me wrong. It was one of their first wheels out of the shop. Um, I was an early adopter for the, uh, the fastback model. Well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were running a big sale. They were just putting them out. So, f- you know, fortunately I, I got mine a little cheaper than what they're getting for them now, but, um, still, you know, I think what you give now, I think in my mind is worth it. But anyways, um, I decided I wanted to run a 14 inch wheel. I sold the 12, I bought the 14, I got the 14 in and it is, I love it. Oh, it's a I great wheel. love it. Yeah. 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 So, so you're not then what little vibration you're getting in your machine. You're not, that's not transferring to the wheel to where it's, it's not. annoying or anything. It doesn't. That's good. I, I got the flat platen attachment too. And it doesn't oh, transfer sure. yeah. to that either. Like if I put a work rest on to square something up, I, it doesn't really transfer. Uh, I'm sure if I put a glass of water on there, it would I could probably see it a little bit, but yeah. to be fair to them, I don't have it bolted down very well. I've got it bolted down to my workbench, but it's on a Menard shelving rack uh, yeah. and just to that, you know, that particle board stuff. So, you know, I'm coming from a KMG, which is, you know, bolted to a steel plate, bolted to an aluminum plate, bolted to a yeah big, heavy workbench. I'll tell you, um, I, I, you know, I have the same table set up as you have in my shop and I've got mine bolted to mine. I'm not um, having any vibrating issues. I think the, that tabletop we're using is plenty heavy, but uh, yeah, that's a little strange, but um, so anyways, the, the, it is nice that you can call the guy and talk to him like you did. Yeah. I, you I can do. tell they're going through growing pains. I was surprised I got a cell phone. He's, you know, Driving a yeah, driving a truck home from the the blade show in the desert somewhere, um, yeah. But <laughs> you you could tell they're going through growing pains. They haven't quite figured out 
the phone tree and and that type of thing. But it's fun well, to support some underdogs, you know, some small guys who are, the grinder is really nice. And I'm sure there will be refinements made, but the tracking is out of this world ridiculously good. I haven't seen anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bader's track nice. I've seen pretty much every grinder. The Northridge tracks nice. Mm-hmm. The Burking and Hardcore, both, I mean, Hardcore really tracks nice. But you're talking an extra grand and you're not. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I worded this as a matter really to the KMG is if it, you know, if I burn up yet another pulley on it or or bearings go bad, which the KMG yeah. has tons of bearings in it. So uh, my next grinder will definitely be more dedicated. And I would I'd consider a Maribraid again. We'll see. You know, give me another year with it and see how I trash it. But uh, the tracking and then running it in reverse and being able to track the motor, use the motor as mm-hmm. the tracking wheel is genius. But honestly, I can flip that thing in reverse and really not mess with the tracking. Everything, you have the ability to square everything up pretty easily if you get that dialed in. Yeah. It's, it's pretty I, much um, gravy. I just ran mine in reverse a week ago, I think. I I sharpened an 11-inch chop suey knife. I can't even describe it. It's this great big... I mean, this thing was from like the 1800s. It's a big uh, butchering knife for a friend of mine that that does butchering. And it's an 11-inch blade. He asked me to sharpen it. I'm like, man. And uh, I flipped my machine on reverse. I don't touch reverse tracking at all. I had to fiddle with the uh, with the top tracking knob, but just a little bit, and right right there, she's running perfect. So yeah, I've been really really happy with mine, and I don't have the experience to compare like you do. But um, boy, I can't imagine, especially for the money, that you're going to get anything better than what they're giving you. So oh, for the money, very happy. Oh yeah, for for real. Yeah. Uh, although they did raise the prices, I see a good three or four hundred mm-hmm. bucks since the beginning of the year. Well, it's the American way. I've, as you can see, prices on stuff are not going down on anything. So <laughs> we were just at. Uh, you know, I, I think I texted you right before we turned this on. I was at Waffle House with one of the kids, and it's twenty twenty nine dollars for me and a kid. Yeah. Get out of here. Did you bring me my breakfast? That's the next question. (laughs) You sent me a full order. Uh, Couldn't afford it, man. Well, $29. I was hungry after you sent that. So um, I had a gourmet bowl of oatmeal with my black coffee. So I think I wanted the biscuits and gravy with eggs, but maybe next time. Yeah. Well, I've already modified that grinder. So... I took the platen off, which those guys hardened those platens. I found out immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, ground the back, the back off of it, so I can work the shoulder of the blades. Yeah. So that took a while to grind that. I went through a brand new <laughs> belt <laughs> for ten minutes, <laughs> twenty minutes. Grinding. I do have a hardened platen that I bought from them. And I think I swapped it into my uh, 
my rotary platen. Um, oh, okay. I prefer making my own for my flat platen. So I, I, I did what, you, like you said, I, I, I back beveled it and then, uh, slapped it onto my, my flat platen and then had that spare hardened one that I put into the rotary. So, yeah. Yeah. I've been looking at the flat platen, the work rest, which I only use a work rest to just to square up parts and, um, mm-hmm. Heck, I don't even really square parts up. I usually use my disc grinder for most of that, but just for grinding, you know, profiling work. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how to hinge that thing. Because when I bought it, I thought, I like my work rest right up against the wheel or the flat platen. I don't like a big gap in there. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to figure out how to hinge that so I can do belt changes real quick. So yeah, that's my my that, next little mod to that that grinder. I bought the smaller one. The first the first workrest I bought um, with the machine, I bought the smaller one. So I think it's like a six inch plate for the workrest. Yeah, that's what I got. It's huge. It's huge. <laughs> that's big. So six, I mean, I I could yeah. grab it right now. Um, but what I did was I basically cut the whole thing off. It's about that wide now, and just it's it's two to three inches wide. And it just sits right in front of the belt. Does that make sense? So there's yeah. no sides to it anymore. It just I just slap it on. Oh, like it that. goes right up next to the belt. All right. Square how it long, up, and you can slide belts on and off all day. The bandsaw for that. Yeah, those aren't. They're not hardened. Okay. To my knowledge, I mean, I've got the I've got the actually I got the jumbo one too, but um, I left that one as is. Well. That's my grinder story. I've got the uh, dust collection hooked up to it now, and just grab. Well, I know you had some issues in early going. It's working good. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I know you had the issues in early going, so I'm glad that you got it up and running. And hell, you even put a knife out with it already. That's yeah, yeah. I'm just finishing up another one right now. I hand you know just yeah all the finishing work which is my least favorite part of a knife after you beat it together yeah actually i enjoy that i don't mind that so much yeah you i know a lot of guys like it i've never Mm -hmm. it's never been my favorite part i don't think Hmm. boy there's a lot of parts of it i could Go through and say are not my favorite. Yeah. Now I wouldn't have said that in the early going. <laughs> it's a lot better than cutting steel all day in front of the bandsaw for sure. <laughs> so maybe I should stop. Yeah, day. I don't know what what my least favorite part of knife making is. I suppose I could think about that for a minute, but yeah. Well, you know, I ground that cocoa bowl. And I just have my dust collection on, which does a pretty good job, and mm-hmm. I didn't put a respirator on for that, and I was sneezing and blow my nose and coughing for the next hour. That stuff is just so, so toxic. And I, I think the, the study from the 1920s, Harvard, no, it was Yale did a study and it was roughly 10% of the people that come in contact with cocoa bowl, um, develop, uh, an allergy to it or an irritation to it. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of guys can't, work it. I, I don't mean by touching it, but but breathing the dust in and being around the dust. They get contact dermatitis yeah. on their skin or, you know, if it gets in their lungs, they're 
breaking out in hives or wheezing mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But I can see how it is. It's definitely an irritant, but it's such a it's such a great wood. I mean, right it's right up there with ebony for sure. And if you've ever seen you know, a lot of guys say these, you see these knives from the early 1800s, they're like jet black. Mm-hmm. And they're like, boy, that's some nice ebony. And it's like, yeah, that's, look at the grain, you know, it's, that's sometimes it's a, oxidizes yeah. real nice. Yeah. So. I've never used it. Um, I haven't used a ton of wood and I, I really don't in my builds. I do, when every time I build a knife using wood handles, I always ask myself, why don't I use wood more? Because, man, when you polish it up, it looks gorgeous. When you get some gorgeous wood, it's, man, there's nothing prettier. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to working with wood as far as knowing the material, what it can and can't do. Like if you're working with ebony or a good piece of African blackwood, you've got mm-hmm. to stay ahead of the oil when you're hand sanding it or or working it on the machine because that oil comes out within a few seconds or you know 20 seconds the oil starts to come back yeah. to the surface and now you got to sand the oil away when you get up in those higher grits so you, you got to really mm. you got to go with a game plan and get after it on on mm-hmm. some of those naturally oil oily woods cocoa bowls like that as well um i would say it's not as oily as african blackwood or or ebony but it's got its own sweet characteristics i think those are the three that i like the best yeah um have you ever worked with uh i'm probably gonna say this name wrong the chichen rosewood have you ever worked with that yeah yeah i mean rosewood's a class of wood it's it's a broad grouping if you will Mm -hmm. um i mostly work with the brazilian rosewoods where i can find them i find they have the most character but there's okay. quite a few nice varieties of rosewood. Uh, I think they all do nice. I've had a problem getting them to buff up nice. So mm-hmm. they get that real deep lust, luster to them. And some I've just left yeah. natural. They'll, they'll patina over time and with the little pocket wear, they'll shine up as well. That's the beauty yeah. of wood is you get a little pocket time and you get a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Uh, that's another good wood. I mean, there's there's quite a few uh, decent woods that are naturally hard and oily, which means they're stable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, two weeks ago, I cracked a cover and just got mad and threw the whole thing out the back door. Um yeah. And it was stabilized Bender done box that. elder. You know, box elder's real pretty when you get a nice burl and you get some dye in it, but and not all stabilization jobs are the same, I guess. Mm-hmm. I've been starting to stay away from some of that stuff. That cracks easy. Yeah. It's, it's not worth well, it. Well, it's put it's not. It's uh, it's a little night. frustrating to get that yeah. yeah, to get that far into a build process and crack a handle <laughs> it'll make a grown man cry for sure yeah yeah i read back about, my uh, pinholes pretty good but uh the sucker cracked yeah yeah you got to be delicate with some of it snake wood i've used snake wood before and that's very fibrous and cracky i guess i don't yeah i like it but uh it's tough to use yeah i've got some plants what about uh wood later later i've got some drying and i've stabilized a little bit maybe we could talk about that sometime but 
it's yeah. it's a lot of work. There's no no return on that effort. Let me tell you. Sure. Um, what about bog oak? Have you? Yes. I know that's kind of the rage right now. It is, isn't what it? What do you know about that? I've got a chunk sitting right behind me that uh, I'm going to cut into this weekend, actually, for for a project. I like it. Um, I hate seeing it at... I, I hate how it's advertised. You know, carbon dating, XYZ, this is 20 million years old. That uh, collides with my worldview a little bit. <laughs> but uh and I <laughs> yeah okie dokie <laughs> with your 20 million years does old. it look good <laughs> i love the i love the color of it the darkness the grays uh-huh sometimes you'll get a blackish looking piece it works pretty well um they have to be stabilized mm-hmm. and oak has got i i don't know enough about wood to know what the terminology is, but it's, it's got these, uh, small voids in, in Oak, all Oak has it. And, yeah. uh, obviously doesn't affect its structure. Oak is a very strong, strong wood, but, uh, it, it leaves you with a conundrum when you go to finish the knife. So do you leave those in? I, I always say you leave them in or do you start the whole super glue process? I think, I think I would leave them in with wood. Now I do the I do the filling with micarta, um, the voids if there are any. Um, but with wood, I think you want to go with that natural, uh, you know the, the the natural grain of it. I guess I don't want to be start. I don't want to start filling the voids and get too crazy with wood. I I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, you can. You can waste a good hour or two messing around with that stuff. Yeah. And then sanding all that super glue away, breathing all mm-hmm. that dust in. That's that's good for you. <laughs> yeah. So that I think Probably that's the worst the one, thing in our shops. That's the one conundrum with bog oak or any type of oak. Um, but one, two, two. I see guy. Yeah. I see where guys are using it though, and they're not filling the voids, and I and and I appreciate that. That's that's. What, what I would do with it. I haven't worked with any yet. Um, but yeah. And, and not all stabilizations the same. So like this piece I have right now yeah. is sent from a customer and I can, I, 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 I saw the side had, you could just tell it was slightly porous. So I circled the mm-hmm. side before I've even cut into it and, uh, said, you know, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah. That's why I usually buy my, I only buy my wood from one supplier and then the other, all the rest of the wood comes from, from me picking, picking at it from, from various Mm -hmm. vendors, usually a knife show or something like that. Yeah. I get burned pretty bad. I got burned on ebony. I spent 500 bucks on a huge block and it had mineral deposits in it. So these white mineral deposits that the tree had Mm -hmm. pulled from the ground and that dude stuck me with the, with the wood said, it's hey, interesting. Baby, it's nat- yeah. nature. I'm like, I can't put that on a knife though. <laughs> so. I have to admit as, as you know, I went to my very first knife show this past weekend. So yeah, go ahead. where I was going with that is I, I see real value. And I think when that comes around again next year, as far as the woods and even a lot of the bone products go, 
it's very nice to be able to walk to these tables. I was so surprised at how much handle material there was as far as woods, um, bone, uh, stag, stag yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, I think I think that's how I'm going to do it from now on is if I can get to a show or two throughout the year, that's, that's where I'm going to spend that portion of my money is picking it up, feeling it, looking at it, and buying it that way instead of some of these online vendors where you don't get to look at it. Yeah. There's got to be a level of trust there between you and the vendor. Mm -hmm. I've been burned many times, we'll say, with natural handle material where at one point I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do my carta. I'm done with this nonsense. But I keep coming back to it like a crack addict. But you have to, you have to have a good, I have a good vendor that I, that I work with and has always taken care of me um, and never sent me junk. You can look, when you're looking through the woods, you can tell when they process that wood, like, why is this piece processed at a different size than all the rest of the pieces? Or why is mm-hmm. this so buffed on this side, but not on this other side? You could tell some of the games that these guys play when they're processing it and trying to sell to sell the wood. So, yeah. So, same with bone and stag. You've got to really look at it, especially if it's dyed. You got to, and it's just an experience thing, kind of know what to look for. Because if you cut into it and the dye didn't take, ugh, yep, you know, out the door is a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, everyone who listened to this in the future, if we're still alive, thank you. <laughs>